So good. I want to I want to welcome Matt Ferguson. He was here last week. I didn't get a chance to welcome, but uh, Matt is with us, and and just we're excited that you're here be, with us, being part of LVA Church. So thank you so much, everybody. Welcome Matt to uh, to the LVA. So good to see people on fire for the Lord. Amen. I like to see people busy in the kingdom of God as well, amen, because that's really what it's about, <clears throat> amen. Are you all ready for today? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I just wonder if y'all was. Y'all know me. I said this back in our staff meeting. You know me. I'm probably going to speak on a little bit of a controversial topic, and that's normally not me. <clears throat> no, <laughs> no. I, I have no problem doing that because it's the word, Amen. But uh, today I want to talk on, um, on the topic of identity, of identity. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait just a minute and give you some scripture. Um, but identity, uh, every time you turn on the television, you hear something about identity. Number one thing on commercials is identity theft. Y'all ever seen those commercials? Identity theft. Protect your protect your social security number, protect your bank account. Uh, you know, we don't want anybody to know who you are. Protect your identity, identity theft. And uh, so that's a big deal. I don't want anything I got stolen. Of course, they're going to be disappointed and give it back to me. And so, you know, I think, man, this guy ain't got nothing, you know. But, uh, but identity. Uh, I want to define identity and, uh, from what Webster's defines identity as, and then I'm going to talk to you about some scripture, and we're going to take a test here in a little bit. We're going to take a, a test. Some of you say, I didn't come take a test. I thought I was just going to sit here and be bored while you talked, and then we're going to go home and we're going to eat. No, you're going to get to take a test today, amen? But that's going to be just in a minute, so get ready. Didn't you always love when the teacher says, hey, we're going to have a test? And it's going through your mind. That's not something I studied last night. Uh-huh. Some of you so old and been so out of school out long, you, uh, so long out of school, you don't even know what that is. You forgot, but watch, I'm going to help you. So identity is the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. That's what identity. We all have our identity. We can, we can look at, at uh, Scotty and we can say Scotty's bald-headed. <laughs> and Jesus, he said, they say beautiful. But look here. You can distinguish people. You, you, you look at Ralph and you think, well, how did he get Pam? I'm, no, I'm You have different things, but you associate people with things, right? But those are distinguishing characters. We're all humans. We all basically look like we got two arms, two legs. We function pretty much the same. We, we kind of do the same things, okay? But we have a different identity. We look a little different. I'll let you know God was involved because we're all humans. We all look different. Amen. So there's this thing of identity that is really important uh, in our lives. Here's another definition. It's the sameness in all that constitutes the objective reality of a thing. Kind of like I was saying about a body, a, a physical body. We've got some sameness, but yet we're you're, you're uniquely different. You look different. Now, uh, these guys here in, uh, in Florida, they're, they're wanting to look like me. They want the sameness. When some of you go ahead and turn loose of the little bit you got, glory to God, <laughs> you're going to be set free. 
You won't be, no more shampoo, no more haircuts. I can cut your hair in five minutes and last you for three days. Amen? It just, it's just wonderful. And uh, it just, it's just soap. It's just soap all the way down. No, no, no nothing else. It's just amazing. And so, um, but anyway, here's, a, here's an identity test. Now, I'm, here's what we're going to do. Now, I'm going to say a word. I'm going to give you a name. Don't say it out loud necessarily. You can think it, but, but I'm going to give you a, a, a name, and you're going to immediately be able to associate this name with something, and that's going to be kind of how we identify people, okay? So you ready for the test? Uh, Michael Jordan, you would say basketball. Why? Because he's a good basketball. That's how you know Michael Jordan. You don't really know Michael Jordan. You don't know his identity, but you associate his identity with basketball. Amen? Uh, here's another one. Um, Pete Rose. Baseball. You're not supposed to answer yet. Pete Rose was baseball, right? Why? Does anybody here know Pete Rose? Anybody ever been to Pete Rose's house? No, you don't even know. You don't even know about, You probably don't even know anybody that knows Pete Rose. But all of a sudden, we know Pete Rose is identified with baseball. It's identity. Isn't this crazy? Here's here's a couple of more. Uh, you know I had to. You know I had to bring this up. John Wayne. You can answer this one. Westerns. The Duke. John Wayne. Everybody knows John. You don't know that John Wayne played in a lot of other movies that had nothing to do with westerns. They weren't any good, by the way. No, they were good. Here's another one, George Strait. Now, all of you, some of y'all just got holy and said, oh, he's, he's, he's going to get me in something because we're not supposed to talk about country music singers in church. No, George Strait. He's the king of country, man. I mean, he's George Strait. Woo, George Strait. You know, anybody been to his house? You been to his house? Didn't he live close to somewhere? Around? Yeah, he, he close down in San Angelo area down in there. Yeah, yeah. I've never been there either. But I identify George Strait as a great country music, just a great guy. Here's one. Don't answer it out loud. Now, so let me just give you this. So the test so far has been I give you a name, and you can immediately, right? I mean, you don't even have to think about Michael Jackson, basketball. Uh, George Strait, I mean... (laughs) Michael Jackson was a singer, by the way. Michael Jordan, basketball, right? You didn't, you didn't really have to think of Pete Rose. You didn't, you didn't really have to think about those things, right? You just knew those because of the identity, because it's what they, they did. It was actually a profession in their life, and we associated that that's who they are, and that's all they are. But watch this. Now, here's the next one. Don't say it out loud. You might embarrass yourself. The church. Some of you are trying to think about, how do, what, what is the church? What does the church look like? How do you identify the church? What's one word, man, all of a sudden? You can't come up with that one word real quick. So, is the church really identified with Jesus? That is the correct answer, by the way. What does the world out there, when they hear LVA church, what do they, what do they identify LVA church as? Do they identify him as Jesus? Do they identify as Jesus' followers? That's all these other people. that It's what they did. It was their profession. It's what they were most known about. So when you're called the church, you individually, let's break it down. When you individually 
or the church, which is what the Bible teaches us, when people see you or they hear your name, what do they think of? Is church, is Jesus somewhere down here when they hear your name? Are you identified as church people or God people or is it, oh, you went to church? I didn't know you went to church. So I want to talk to you about identity today. Identity. Because we live in a world where identity is whatever you want it to be. That's what culture tells us. You can be whatever you want to be. You don't want to be a boy today? You want to be a girl? Well, be a boy. I identify as a whatever. You know, there's some stuff now in schools, in schools, that you can identify as your pet. I know this is stupid, but it's real. Now, you won't hear this on mainstream media. You've got to get outside your sources there. But, you know, you can identify. You, there's, a, there's a school that you can dress up as your favorite pet, whatever your pet is, a dog, a cat, a mouse, or whatever. And you have a private space during school that you can go and put on your little costume and you can identify as your pet. You see, the preacher, that is way out there. It sure is. That just tells you how far we, we've come from who God said we are. Identity. Watch this. Identity. You can never, now listen to me, these are some things about identity. There's many more, but as you know, we don't have time to go over everything today. But I'm going to give you some things that are, that are real, that you can jot down and you can go home and you can add to this list or you can take away from the things I'm going to teach you this morning. But you can never fulfill your purpose in life if you are confused about your identity. Let me give you an example. If um, there was a young boy and a young girl here, and the young girl wanted to be a young boy, or the young boy wanted to be a young girl, neither one of them, because they have a false identity of who they are, could fulfill the purpose that God has for them if they're playing the identity of a role that wasn't assigned to them. Come on. It's impossible for you to self-identify with something and fulfill the purpose that God has put in your life. Because you're confused about who you are, how can you accomplish what God said in your heart as the person you're supposed to be and you're living out someone you're not supposed to be? This is good stuff. See, see we got this thing, same thing in the church. We want to identify as Christian. But when we get in the world, we want to identify something else. And we wonder why God's not using us and why we're not fulfilling the purpose and why so many people in the church lose hope. Come on. Why so many people have to jump from here to there to over yonder? Why people come in and they fall out? Because they're confused about who they are in Christ. We got to go way back to who are you in Christ? We think it's because the preacher is beautiful. We think it's because they don't worship the way I do. We think it's because of this or that or they have pad pews. We ought to have wood pews so we're not comfortable when we listen to the word of God. It's all these crazy things. No, it comes back to what is your identity? Who do you identify with? Where is Christ in your life? 
What is Christ? How do you identify as Christ? Most of us identify Christ right here, and this is as far as we go with him, a Savior. Period. He's just a Savior, period. No, he's much more than that. He is a Savior. But that's only the tip of the iceberg. He's much more than a Savior. He's a a Redeemer. Here's your fortress. He's your strong tower. He's the one that gives you breakthrough power. He's the one that says in John 8, 36, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We can come and we can get saved and we put a period behind God's identity. He's just a Savior. But no, wait a minute. I'm going to go through trials and tribulations and persecution. He's also a deliverer. And we put him in a box just to say his identity is I don't have to go to hell now. Here's the real problem with that. I have to live from the time I get saved to the time I die or raptured out of here. That's a difficult period if you're living for Christ. Because he said you'll be persecuted. You'll have trials and tribulations. So how do I get through that? Where does God identify? How do I identify God after my salvation? Yeah, I know I'm going to get saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But what about all this stuff I got to go through here? He's also a deliverer. He's your comfort. He's peace in the time of trouble. He's the rain when you're dry. He's the sun when it's dark. How do you identify God? Amen, preacher. Your identity, your identity, watch this, sets the course in your life. Who you think you are Who you want to be sets the course of your life. Watch this. Who you think God is sets the course in your spiritual walk. I know so many Christians, so-called Christians, that identify as a Christian but don't identify Christ is their need meter, if you will. The one who can deliver them and set them free. The one who is with them that that the Bible says will never leave you nor forsake you. And I would dare to say not one person in this room has not asked God, God, where are you at? Where are you at? See, we identified as God in that moment when we made those statements. We identified God as a God that would somehow leave us. Which is contrary to God's word in Hebrews where it says he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But we identified him as someone who might leave. Why? Because our culture has been so engrossed and if you don't like it, get out of it. If you don't like your marriage, get out of it. If you don't like this, just quit. Just give that up. Walk away. Come on. I told you this would be controversial. But it's truth. We have got to get back as a church to identifying God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, as everything we need in life. I mean everything. Not secondary or third or fourth when we get to a problem we can't figure it out, then we go to God. No, first. If I had a uh, a child that was, I thought could be a great athlete and I had a friendship with Michael Jordan. Not Michael Jackson, but Michael Jordan. 
And I thought, man, my, my child has a potential to be a great basketball player. And I had that connection with Michael Jordan. I'm not going to the local high school coach to see if he can teach him. I'm going to go to the best. I'm going to go to Michael Jordan and say, hey, can you help me with my child? I'm going to go to him first. See, we, we need to think of God as that way. He's our first source. He's the first place that we run to. Not second, not third, not when things have fallen apart, but first. So much stuff happens in our lives because we put God somewhere down here and we try to work out life's problems and we fail and then we run to God. You know what? Satan has absolutely demolished most of our lives in that area because now we're so confused on what, what do we do next? How do I deal with this problem? When we, if we were to put God first, found out who your identity is, who is he to you and who you are to him. Do you know that you've been, you're an heir with Christ? Do you understand you've been adopted in? Do you understand he chose you? He didn't choose him. He chose you is what the book of John says. He chose you. You mean the God of the universe chose me to fulfill his purpose, my purpose in, on, about the kingdom on this earth? He chose me? Uh-huh. Boy, that puts a little different thing. Well, if you chose me, that means you, my identity of you is totally different now. You chose me? You mean you wanted me? And if God chooses you, he equips you. He gives you everything you need when you need it to accomplish the purpose that he has put in your life. Amen. This is the reason the devil wants you confused on who you think you are. If he can get little Johnny and little Susie confused who they are when they're three, it takes a long time to undo that. Well, guess what? The further you wait to start fulfilling the purpose God's put in your life, the harder it is to fulfill it. You're going to run out of time probably. You're not going to live forever. I don't know if some of you know that. I mean, Miss Janice, is she here? She's, she's, yeah, she's living forever. But If Satan can keep your mind keep you confused and trying to figure out who you are, you will never, listen to me, you will never become kingdom-minded. You, you can never become kingdom-minded if you're still trying to figure out who you are. See, when we get saved, we get washed in the blood of Jesus. Like Scott, he said this morning, he said, I don't ever want to get over getting saved. He's a big old teddy bear. He looks like he could, he could beat you up and all that stuff. He's such a teddy bear anymore. He just cries all the time. He's just a crier. He just, he just, Jesus loves me and I love him and I just cry. That's, that's Scotty. Scotty's just a crier. You know why? Because he understands what Jesus has done for him. He says, I understand the identity that I have in Christ and that Christ is to me. We come to a society where people in their 20s and their 30s are still trying to figure out if they're a male or female. Y'all know that, right? 
people are trying to figure out whether they want to be a boy or a girl. Now, where did we get so confused that as a, a, a boy, you think, I want to be a girl? Or I'm a girl and I think I want to be a boy? Where did that come from? Uh, let me give you, let me help you. The first letter of his name is S. The second one is A. Can you, can you, it may catch on. The third letter is T. Who, who are we talking about? Satan. Satan's got you so confused. As 20s and 30s, they've had surgeries and stuff. What, what? Do they need a full-length mirror in their bathroom when they get out of the shower so they can see themselves? That helps you with your identity, by the way. I'm a male. I'm a female. I'm not in between. I'm not transitioning into this. I am one or the other. Gender dysphoria is from hell. It's a satanic in nature. And the church has bought right into it in a lot of cases. Better known as transgenderism. No. No, see, when we believe, when we have the faintest idea that somewhere in our bodies that we could uh, maybe be a little boy or a little girl, that I can change my identity, when that when that enters us, I'm telling you that there's a demonic presence that has been about our children, that is about your home, that is about your thought process, that puts a seed in there that says you can be a little boy or a little girl or the opposite. And that is contrary to God's word. And when it is contrary to God's word, you need to get rid of that. You need to throw that out. The problem is we want to make God's word fit. We want the church's identity to be just like the world because we don't want to be labeled as peculiar. We don't want an identity with Christ. We don't want to be called weirdo. We don't want to be called holy. We don't want to, be, we don't want to have holiness. What? You go talk to somebody today, if they come up to you and say, hey, are you, uh, are you, you go to Holiness Church? Oh, no, not us. No, we go to LBA Church. <laughs> every church, every church that is ever, has ever been built in America, for sure, anywhere around the world, should be labeled as holiness. I don't care what label, what tag is out on the front uh, lawn. We should be Holiness. Well, we don't want to be that way because people think they're weird. Look, you know, if they think we're weird, how are we going to influence them? Don't worry about it. You're not influencing them anyway. You don't, if you did, what are you going to give them? Your identity's already messed up. You can't fulfill the purpose that God put you here for, and that's to win souls, to be kingdom-minded. If you're just like them, what are you going to offer them? Nothing. If you've already got what I got, I don't have anything to give you. So if I'm acting just like you and I identify just like you do and you're a heathen, guess what? We're the same. The church, the Bible says that we're a peculiar people. The Bible tells us that we should come out from among them. 
Who's them? Them heathens. The world. And until we do that, guess what? There's not going to be a change in the world. But you know, Jesus ate with those sinners and publicans. Mm-hmm. He did. Because you got to get next to somebody before you can win them to the Lord. But if they don't accept it, what did he say there in, 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 in uh, the gospel? He said, but when if they don't accept it, shake the dust off and move on to the next. God will have to, Holy Spirit will have to work on them. We get hung up on be best friends. Now, I'm going to say something real controversial. You can love me, you can hate me, but it, it's true. You can't be best friends. Your best friend is a Christian, blood-bought, born-again child of God. Your best friend can't be a heathen. Something's wrong with that picture. You're yoked up with somebody. I didn't say you couldn't be friends with them, but you're yoked up with somebody. The Bible says you're not supposed to be yoked with them. I'm trying to get this church and you individually and oh Marty with the correct identity with Christ because when I get my correct identity, I know my purpose. And when we know our purpose, we can change the world. Genesis 1.27, and then I'm going to go to Ephesians 4. But Genesis 1.27 says this, if, you, if you're confused about identity, let me tell you how many they are. There's not 300 and something. There's two. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. Mark 10.6 says the same thing, basically, just a little different. That God created male and female. Male and female is what he created. See, here's the problem. Satan is not a creator. Satan is a creation. And the Bible teaches that the creation can never be greater than the creator. Remember the little story about the potter and the clay? He says, does the, does the clay look at the potter and say, well, I don't want to be a pot. Make me a cup. The potter says, okay, I'm going to make another bowl. See, Satan takes what's been created, male and female, and all Satan can ever do in your life, listen to me when I tell you this, all that Satan has the ability to do is twist what's already been created. And if you see a confusion in what God created, run from it. It is from hell, it is from Satan, it is demonic in nature. Satan can only mess up what God created as beautiful. Music. The things adult people do. You getting it? Okay, good. He twisted that into perverted homosexuality and lesbianism. Honey, you might want to go crank my truck and yours. Cut it quiet in this non-holiness church. Come on. If the Bible was taught the, listen to me now, this is truth. If the Bible was taught continually in the home and in the schools, gender identity would not be an issue today. 
It's impossible. Because the truth would be taught. That's why they wanted uh, the Bible out of school so that they couldn't teach truth. Do you know when they took the schools out, uh, uh, when they took the Bible out of schools, they didn't expect anything to happen that year or even the next. Some of us, we have been raised in such a society that we want it, we want it right now, we gotta have it, put it in the microwave, and God, where are you at? I wanted my Cadillac. Well, I hope you drive a, a, a go-kart then. If that's your identity with God, something's wrong. If you identify God as only a handout, something is wrong with your theology. It's thinking, thinking. I got to take a drink of water on this one. Now listen to me. There's a couple of key words that you need to pick up on or you're going to misinterpret what I'm fixing to say. So I'm going I'm to go ahead and tell you up front the word so you'll get it in your spirit because I know what Mark 4 says, that the, Satan comes and immediately steals the word of God. He immediately comes. You go read the parable of the sower. He immediately comes and steals the word of God. He is there waiting to to contort what I say before it gets to your ears. So I'm going to help him. I'm going to defeat the devil. Watch. The key word you need to listen to is practicing. Everybody say practicing. Okay, watch this. If you're still practicing what you did before coming to Christ, you have an identity crisis. This is really called self-identifying. Now, remember, if you're practicing, if you're still practicing, you come to Jesus, you get saved, blood-bought, born again, and you're continuing to practice. I did not say that you made a mistake, that you stumbled. I said when you continue to practice, when you practice, there's a self-identifying thing that's going on in your head. Watch this. Watch. In other words... I get to be whatever I want to be based on the conditions that are in front of me. So in other words, I come, I don't want to go to hell, so I, I, I play, play like I got saved. But yet when I'm around everybody else that are doing this, I continue to practice what I did in my former life. You have an identity crisis of who God is in your life and who you are in Christ. Because he called you to be something different You're to be a new person. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. I'm going to give you scripture because this is where most people get hung up. Well, I thought that I just get to do what I want to. Oh, you can do what you want to. Doesn't mean you're going to end up where you want to end up, though. I'm so sick and tired of this. Look, I I got to have mercy and grace every day. But I'm so tired of saying you come make your little trip to the altar and you're good for the rest of it. You can do whatever you want to. You're going to go to hell. That ain't the way this thing works. I don't believe that for a minute. Now we can debate that and talk about that. Amen. And I'll probably never change your mind, but you're never going to change mine on that. I believe that God called us to be set apart. He says, be ye holy as I am holy. If I'm practicing sin, if I'm practicing those things, I cannot be holy as he is. And you say, well, Pastor, just because you get saved, you can't be holy. No, but I can practice being holy. 
I can practice righteousness. I can say, Lord, I made a mistake. Help me to be righteous like you are. Well, come on, preacher. You're doing a good job. Hurry up and finish so we can go eat. Okay. So, so how do you identify? How do you identify? Don't answer this out loud, by the way. How do you identify? Well, let me help you. What you set your mind on is how you identify yourself. What you set your mind on is how you identify yourself, okay? So you can identify, I can identify as, as being Michael Jordan. We got some problems already. Uh, skin color, athletic ability, bank account. There's several things. We've got a problem, but I can identify all day long, but that don't mean that's who I am. But that's who you think you are, and that's where confusion comes in. Well, I think I'm Michael Jordan. I can wear, I can wear the number 23, I believe it was. And I can walk around with uh, Air Jordans. I can go to the tanning bed and get dark like Michael Jordan. I ain't going to talk. But I'm not really going to be Michael Jordan. I can change my name legally to Michael Jordan. You know that? You can change your name. I can change my name. And somebody says, who are you? I'm Michael Jordan. You are? I didn't know there was another Michael Jordan in the world. I said, oh, yeah, no, I'm the one. I'm the one you thought I was. That's me. I play basketball. What? It's crazy, ain't it? You're just like, man, you, do you, have you seen yourself lately? You're not Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah, I am. It's crazy, isn't it? That's just the way we're allowing our kids to be today. And parents are buying into it by the groves, by the thousands, by the millions. They're buying right into it saying, well, you know, I don't want to mess up their psychology. Something already messed up, dude. Something messed up already. Do you hear me? It's, it's already, Boom. Something didn't click. So watch this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. Now, I don't know if you caught this, but in those first two verses, it repeats something twice. When the Bible repeats something twice, it's really saying, pay attention, you need to get this. So let's reread verse 1. If you then were uh, raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. That's the phrase. Seek those things which are above where Christ is. Verse 2. Set your mind on the things that are above. And where are we not supposed to set it? On the things on the earth. Does that mean that I get to sit home and just be this wonderful Christian and God's going to do everything for me? Well, your identity is already messed up of who Christ is. No, you get up and go to work. But you can't set your mind. Your mind has to be on a kingdom mindset that what you do for a living, the occupation you have is only a platform so that you can reach people to build the kingdom. It has never been just so you can make money. Amen, preacher. It is a platform that when people come into your sphere of what your occupation is, you get to talk to them about Jesus. 
And if we have any other view of that and our identity of what Christ has called us to do is wrong. Well, glory. The reason we don't like these kind of messages is because it puts some burden of kingdom building upon us. Well, let me just help you with that confusion. It's already been on you. Jesus is not coming back to build the kingdom. He's using people. He uses me and you to build the kingdom. He uses me and you to reach our kids. He uses me and you to sit on school boards. He uses me and you to be mayors and to be city council people. He uses us to accomplish his purpose, which is kingdom building. In other words, reaching people for Christ, leading them to Christ, that they might be saved, that they might be set free from sin. Well, Jesus... Verse 3, so we're not setting our minds on the earth, we're setting it above. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. There's a big problem right there. If you really look at the scripture, watch, let's read it, read it again. For you died and your life is hidden. Now I didn't die, I'm still here. When I got saved, my life is hidden in Christ. What does that mean? I got saved. I'm baptized into Christ. That's the first salvation baptism. You're baptized into Christ. I'm hidden in Christ, okay? But I didn't die. Not physically, did I? No, no. The answer is no. I'm in front of you right now. But the old man died. The old Marty died. I had to come up with a new identity where I'm hidden in Christ, so who do you think my identity should look like? Christ, because why? I'm in him. My children came from my loins. They have some attributes that I have. They, they have what I have. Some of them kind of look like me. They're good-looking kids. Why? Because they were from me. Come on. They come from me. If you're born in Christ, hidden in Christ, guess what? You come from Christ. Your identity changes. You got the old you. You got the old Marty Heathen. And you got the new revised Marty Heathen. (laughs) 2.0. Watch this. So we, we die spiritually. We get a new identity because we're hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. Verse 4, when Christ who is our life, uh uh-oh, when Christ who is our life, when Christ who is our life appears, see, we miss so much right there because Christ really in your life. He's a Sunday thing. He's an ever now and then thing. He's a vending machine thing. He's a God I need something now thing. But he's not your life. If we would hide ourselves in Christ and come up with our new identity in Christ, then our life would be in him and there would be a change in America. There would be a change in your household. There'd be a change in the community. There'd be a change of God. There'd be a new sheriff in town. But we just want God. We don't want to hide our life in him. We just want to be, we want life with him. But we don't want him to be in us. Because that might be offensive to my friends. Because, you know, how are they going to look at me? Because I've been drinking and, and, and carousing. 
Thank you. I had another word picked out for more mature audiences. Carousing, doing all them crazy things, watching stuff when we ought not be watching stuff on television. All of those things. What they gonna think about us? I don't know, you got a new identity. Probably they gonna think, what has happened to you? Why don't you want to do those things? Why don't you want to hang out with us? Why don't you want to go get drunk? Why don't you want to do drugs with us? Why don't you want to come over and have an orgy? Because I got a new identity. I'm in Christ. I've been hidden in the one that sets me free. Come on, church. We got to get this. We got to find out who our identity is so that we know how to walk and what God called us to be. And if we're confused about who we are, you're never going to accomplish anything. And I'm going to tell you, Satan has done an excellent job in confusing and confusing humanity on who we are and what we're supposed to do. Okay, now I'm going to give you something. I've got 21 minutes. I'm going to try to finish 412. In Colossians uh, 3, verse, I'm going to start at verse 5. Here's what I subtitled my, my, my uh, paragraph here. Ways, if you're taking notes, here's some ways to know you identify with Christ. Ways to know that you identify with Christ. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read these right from the Bible so that you, you won't believe or think that it's pastor's opinion on what. I'm going to read them right from the Bible. You ready? Here's ways to know if you identify how you identify yourself. <clears throat> or excuse me. Here's ways to know you identify with Christ. Number one, let's look at verse five. Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth. We talked about that a while ago, hiding in Christ. And he, he lists some things that we're supposed to put to death. So I'm just telling you, if you're practicing some of these things, your identity is not with Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Well, just say, oh, me then. Verse 5. Put to death. Fornication. Uncleanliness. Passion. That means the wrong passion. That don't mean passion for Jesus and you want to worship him all day. Evil desire and covetousness. You thought, man, I got all in first four. What about that covetousness? Wanting what somebody else has. Because in all these things, they say, is idolatry. Why? Because you're putting those in front of God. An idol can be anything. It's not a little Buddha sitting up on your dresser. You know, your kids can be your idol. Your job, your vehicles, your possessions can be idols. Well, glory. If I could sing, I'd sing. Because of these things, verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming up on the sons of disobedience. If you're wondering what's going to happen if you practice these things, here it is. The wrath of God is coming up on you because you're disobedient. 
quiet, Mike. You're quiet up in the church today. Verse 7, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. In other words, somebody here in this passage of Scripture at the church at Colossae, somebody, Paul was writing to somebody and said, hey, guess what? You used to be that way, but somewhere in this thing, he said, you've identified with Christ now. You've changed your identity and who God was to you and who you are in Christ. Somewhere in there, something changed because he said, you once were these, you walked in those. Now you don't. Identity change. New identity. Verse 8. But now you yourselves are put are to put off these all of these things, okay? So we have that list of five or six things in verse 5 that were put to death. And then verse 8, we find some things that were to put off, that were to do away with. Watch, he gives a list to do away with anger. Many of you know my testimony had an anger problem. I had to put that off. There's some things you got to do. He didn't say, I hope your spouse prays for you and you put it off. No, you put it off. Just like you would take off your clothes when you go home at night or your cloak if it's cold outside, you take it off. You've got to do something for yourself. If everybody else is doing it for you, you don't care what your identity is. Somebody's just doing it for you. But when you have to put some skin in the game, as my dad used to say, it changes the whole meaning of everything. I've noticed most people don't have a problem spending your money as long as it don't cost them nothing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, why don't you pay for it? What? I don't know that. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Your kids have no problem spending your money. They never have. They have to be disciplined to say, it's my money. You get what you need. I'll put a roof over your head. I'll feed you a couple times a week. You won't starve. I'll put some clothes on you. You'll have a clean, clean, at least clean underwear. They may be hand-me-down, but you're going to have some clean underwear. Other than that, what do you want? I'm done. My father made it very clear to me, son, I'm not obligated to do anything except keep you alive for a few years. <laughs> I ran around naked for the first five years of my life. That's what my dad's theory was. Come on. It's a little humorous, but it's true. When it starts costing you something, all of a sudden it becomes more real. You begin to identify a little differently. Let me move on. I'm going to hurry. Put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy. Boy, I could, I got to. I'm going to go on. No, I ain't going to skip one. I got to. Blasphemy. Most people think that that's just making fun of Holy Spirit. That is not what that means. You know what blasphemy really means right here? 
that you disregard the things of God as unimportant. That you disregard the things of God unimportant. That's blasphemy. Oh, well, God, you died for me. You sent your son Jesus down here, and you died for me, and I took all the way, and I have the option, but I, whatever. That's blasphemy. How would you feel? If you sent your son to die for everybody, and they said, ha, well, it ain't worth it. You know, you know how hard it is on me? I got three kids. I'm trying to raise these kids right in. You know, the old man left me, and I'm, you know, it's just tough on me. Well, get on the boat. It's tough for everybody right now. You know, you just don't understand my problems. I'm not supposed to understand your problems. You're supposed to take your problems to Jesus. All you that are burdened and heavy laden, heavy laden and burdened, where are you supposed to take them? To Jesus. Come on, church. If we can get who we are in Christ and who, what Christ means to us, man, we can change the world. I'd settle just for us changing our own little lives and our own families because when we change that, the world starts to change. But you can't give up because it's not going to happen overnight. The world we live in, the society we live in now didn't, didn't happen overnight. Satan's patient. Come on. Now let me move on. Blasphemy. Filthy language. Uh-oh. Fil- oh, I love the way it reaches. Filthy language out of somebody else's mouth. Well, if I could just get them to talk right, I'd be better, Pam. If I could just get them to talk right, it would help me so much. You know, what would help you is if you identified with Christ right, and you, when that stuff comes out of their mouth or yours, because the reason people are talking about that junk around you is because you allow it and they hear it coming out of your mouth. Come on. People don't tell dirty jokes around me, not because I'm holy. I don't like dirty jokes. You shouldn't be telling dirty jokes. You shouldn't be making insinuations. Now, men, you're a lot worse than women. Let me just talk to the men. Men, you make little sexual innuendos and talk about little things to your buddies. Trying to find every man in the house just so you know I'm talking to you. I'm not, we don't want to be prejudiced and leave anybody out. We have a tendency to do that. It's just get rid of the filthy language, the communication out of your mouth. If men, if men, come on men, I need an amen every now and then from a woman, but if men would get where we could stop the filthy communication coming out of our mouths to our buddies that we hang out with, guess what? We would start seeing ourselves differently and people would start seeing us as Christ intended us to be and then we could fulfill the purpose of winning that person to the Lord. But yet we use the excuse of, well, the Holy Spirit's just working on me, still working on me. As long as you got filthy communication coming out of your mouth, the Holy, you're, you're suppressing every time the Holy Spirit does something. Shut your mouth. Mama used to say, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. That's hard for me. I mean, I know that I'm the only one that's hard for everybody. Yeah, y'all got it. I'm just saying for me. 
That's hard for me. Amen. Do not lie one to another. You don't mean to, but you're a liar. When that thought comes through your head, I don't lie. Come to the altar, please. We don't mean to, but we'll say something sometimes that just really ain't all truth, but we don't mean to. There ain't a hand being raised in the church saying, that's me, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, we're all guilty. We don't mean to. Do not lie one to another since you have put off the what? Uh-oh. You know what that tells me? Watch this. So you put off with the old man with his deeds. So you put off the old man. What happened? See, we stopped these things. We put them because we quit identifying with them. I don't like it when somebody, well, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that I hate about some of these things that you go through, some of these rehab centers, is that they sit around in a circle and they say, well, I am a whatever. Get blood-bought, born again, and you ain't that anymore. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old man has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When are we going to start identifying with what God says we are? I am not that. I put that old man off. I am new in Christ. I am a blood-bought, born-again, devil-fighting child of the king. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be labeled that. I don't want to be labeled what I was before I got saved. I lived that and that didn't work for me. I was a miserable wretch. I felt guilty and condemnation on the inside. But when I began to identify with Christ, when I hid myself in him and said, yep, I make mistakes, but I'm in him. He stands and said, no, God, he's covered by the blood. When the devil... He goes to God and he's accuser of the brethren. He says, did you see what they did? Did you hear what they said? You know what they watched, didn't you, God? Jesus said, he's covered by the blood. He's covered by the blood. We have an arbitrator that stands between us and sin. His name is Jesus Christ. He says, I've got you covered. If you're blood-bought, if you've come and confessed your sins and, you, and you're, 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 a, you're trying, you're blood-bought. Child of the king. Come on, somebody. That's good news. i got to hurry. Lord, that clock is my enemy. And some of you said, yes, but it's our Savior. <laughs> Verse 10. So you put off in verse 9, you put off the old man with his deeds. And verse 10 says you got to do something else. You put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Do you get that? Let's read it again. You have put on the new man. Lee, will you come to the piano? You put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So how do we do this? So if we put off the old, that means we're a blank slate. So if I'm doing this and I say I put that off, I've got to put something on. So what do I put on? The knowledge. How do you get knowledge? 
Spiritually speaking, it's through the Word. You get knowledge by getting in God's Word. You get submersed in God's Word. You get in that so that it surrounds you, so that it's in your spirit. Because, see, it's been put off the old deeds. Now the new's put on. So when I put the new on, guess what? I got to quit identifying with what I used to do and what I used to be and what people labeled me and some of my friends labeled me as. And I got to say, no, wait a minute, I'm new in Christ. I'm putting on something new. I've got to identify differently. I'm not going to, but just as an illustration, if I were to lose 25 pounds. Just want to make that clear. If I was to lose 25 pounds, I could still put these pants on. They're going to look real weird and baggy and... Right? And every time you saw that, you saw me show up and you see these old baggy pants hanging off of me. First thing you're going to wish and say, oh, wish that joker would get some new pants. Does his wife see... Does she dress him before he comes to church? I mean, he needs some new pants. Watch this now. I'm going to make a point. So every time I come and I get up on a plane and I've got those pants on that I used to wear when I was 25, 30, 50 pounds heavier. First thing's going to happen, you're going to think about what I used to be. He used to be fat. Look at those pants on him. You can tell. You can tell. He used to have a lot more weight hanging around him. Look at his old pants about to fall off him. You identify me by what I'm wearing. Come on. But what I used to be. Same thing with Christ. If you keep hanging out with the same people, telling the same nasty jokes, watching the same stuff, doing all that stuff, they look at you and say, oh, they still are. They identify you with what you look like. The Bible says I'm supposed to put on something new. I can't be like that anymore. I don't want to be like that anymore. If we could ever get our mentality wrapped around that it's not a bunch of don'ts. I don't get to, but I don't want to. Man, we could go somewhere in the church. Man, we could make a difference. Somebody says, I don't like going over there. You know, they don't want us to do this. They don't want us to do that. No, it's not it. You have a true experience with Jesus Christ and your want to is going to get saved too. Come on. We need to get our want to saved. You know how we do that? Come and really get saved. Come and really say, Lord, I'm here to change. I recognize and I identify with you. I want to be identified with you, Lord. I don't want to be identified as the old. I don't want to be confused about who I am, what I am, what I'm supposed to be doing. Lord, I identify with you now. And I want you to wash me and cleanse me. I want you to make me white as snow. Some of you have a, need to have a Psalms 51 prayer memorized where David said, Lord, if you'll wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. If you'll cleanse me, I'll be cleansed. By the way, that Psalms 51 is David's prayer after he had committed murder and adultery and all of those other things. He said, Lord, if you, I've sinned against you and you only. If you'll wash me, I'll be clean. Let's start identifying with the right. 
identity. Verse 11, he goes on to say, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, uh, slave or no slave, but, G- but Christ is all in all. And then the last verse, last scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, you got to ask yourself when you hear therefore, what's the rest of it therefore? So what's the rest of the scripture therefore? Watch. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things hang around. They passed away. And behold, all things have become new. We've got to get our identity right, Clint. We've got to get our identity lined up with what God says about us when we come and we hide ourselves in Him. And until we do that, the church will be lame. The church will be limping along. The church will want to take up all your money and you'll be mad. The church will, the church will suffer because you don't know who you are. It's time that the church stands up and says, I know who I am in Christ. I know my Redeemer and I know He lives. I know that I'm going to go through things, but I know He's going to be with me. I know that there'll be trials and tribulations, but I know I can win somebody if I stay the course, if I don't give up, if I don't get weary. I'll stay the course. I'll run the race and I'll win the prize. Come on, church. It is time that the church of the living God says I'm going to be identified with the true Christ not the watered down Christ not the Christ that says I might if you do if you do good I might if you're going to give me this no the true Christ if you follow him my dad says it this way you do your part and you don't worry about God doing his part He's faithful to the end. He'll be faithful to you. He'll be faithful to your calling. He'll give you what you need. He'll supply your needs to purpose for the purpose that he's called you for. If you do your part, don't you worry about God's part. He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Will you stand with me across this building today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.